Hello, friends. Welcome to Originality Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Dalton, and joining me today, as always, is our show's awesome producer, Amanda Foster. Hey. Today, we are going to be continuing our series, Speaking of the Enneagram, a series all about how to communicate about the Enneagram without casualties. How can we talk about our type and or ask someone what their type is without saying something that's going to accidentally really hurt them? And we want to make sure that as we're using this tool that is so powerful, that we're doing it intentionally and with understanding and kindness and compassion to build others up and not tear others down. So today we're going to be talking all about how to use the Enneagram, either when you are figuring out your type, finding your type, or if you're in conversation with someone that doesn't know their type and is learning about the Enneagram for the first time and wants to know what their type is. We are making these episodes as concise and to the point as we can so you can figure out your type and learn how to grow without reading a whole book first or listen to an hour-long podcast. So without further ado, let's talk about finding a type. So when someone is first learning about the Enneagram and doesn't know their type yet and wants you to help them figure it out, I have outlined some do's and don'ts for how to have that conversation. So one, do make sure that they really want to know what their Enneagram type is. And don't assume that they're asking for you to analyze everything about them. So this is a conversation, most people have been in conversations like like this, where you're um, with a group of people in a small group or out to dinner with a group of people and somebody at the table doesn't know their Enneagram type. They don't know what the Enneagram is. Um, I went to a birthday party recently where I had two conversations just like this and they, they want to know everybody else is talking about their personality and how much they love the Enneagram. And they're like, oh, I want to know what my type is. And as a certified Enneagram coach, people want me to help them figure out their type in conversation. And for you, maybe you are someone who listens to my podcast and you've learned a whole lot and you've done a lot of reading and research for yourself and listened to a lot of other podcasts and you are knowledgeable enough about the Enneagram to help somebody narrow down their type or to point them in the right direction of resources that can help them find their type. So when somebody is is in this conversation and they're just hearing about what the Enneagram is and they want to know what their type is, make sure that you're asking questions like, are, are you sure the Enneagram can, you know, really tell you about some of your blind spots. It brings about self-awareness. It's a great tool, but maybe not something you want to learn, know what your type is at the dinner table, um, at a party or in a situation like that. And they may still really want to know. And if that's the case, make sure that you're not asking them about their childhood wounds and comparing the subconscious motivations and childhood wounds of all the Enneagram types and using that. A lot of people will use the core motivations to help people figure out their type, but that can get really gray really fast because people can relate to different core motivations for a number of reasons. So just make sure that that's not where you start. Amanda, any thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, so I feel like I haven't, you know, I don't listen to a lot of Enneagram podcasts. I've tried. And as the producer of an Enneagram <laughs> podcast, 
Um, I'm, I mean, I'm just here for, for color, right? I'm not the one who actually has to do the research anyways. Um, I'm here to ask the questions. You know, I haven't done a lot of research. I don't, but I feel like I do know a lot, even just like from what we've talked about. So this, yeah, my you- research is done right here. Um, but I still feel like I am able to help people. So, um, yeah, this is interesting because over the past like month, I've had two specific um, encounters where I feel like I was helping someone with their type. Someone, one who didn't know about the Enneagram at all. And then one was someone who thought they were another number. And I actually said what the number was both of them were threes so that's my number so I'm I know what it is the most so I was describing the three and I felt like they both were threes they were two different conversations but they both left that conversation feeling like they were a three as well um so but in that yes it did get very deep very quick Mm -hmm. which I but I I feel like I I had already, you know, I had that relationship with those people to talk about those things. And I mean, maybe. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes it's like so appropriate and totally okay. And then sometimes like people get caught off guard by it. Yeah. And but so, again, they were, they, they were, were private, friends. they were private conversations. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It wasn't. So I literally table. like at a dinner table with a group of like 20 people met three people that I had never met before and everybody was wanting me to type them, which that happens a lot as an Enneagram coach where we'll have mutual friends and people will be like, oh, they need to know their type. And so I feel like some of this is going to apply more to those situations than like your close friends that you're meeting with one-on-one. Some of this still definitely applies to that situation, Mm -hmm. but definitely um, these are things that I've kind of learned the hard way as I've gone along and I've definitely hurt people in the process probably like nobody's like come to me and been like oh you really hurt me when you did this like I nobody's ever told me that I'm just very aware of like oh I could have done that better and and looking back can reflect and be like yeah I I want to I want to continue to grow and how I communicate this and how I interact with people on this um and this is a prime uh, opportunity for people to get hurt with the Enneagram. So I think it's just really important to have some do's and don'ts about how we approach it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the next do and don't. Do, ask some more general life questions to get to know them. Don't ask specific questions about blind spots or childhood wounds, which I kind of already talked about a little bit. But when you're you're introducing someone to the Enneagram or you're just getting to know them. And this may be different for close friends, but ask some general bigger picture questions, maybe narrow down the stances or, um, you know, and, and so maybe asking questions like, um, when, so I love this question with, when you're with a group of friends and they are, trying to decide where to go to dinner. And um, like you've gone out to a concert, everybody's going to go out to dinner after and everybody's talking, trying to, or before maybe, uh, trying to decide where you want to go. 
Are you the person that's like, oh, I love this restaurant. I want to go here. Let's go here. Let's go to the place I want to go to. Or are you the person that's like, yeah, I just don't have as strong of uh, like, I, you know, I could kind of just do whatever other people want things more than I do. So I'm just going to go along with what other people want and go with the flow. That can narrow down types like really fast. Mm. Like somebody's response to that question can like the, I mean, somebody that's going to be like, yes, I, I know what I want and I want to do this. Like that's going to be a more assertive type. It's going to be a one, maybe a two, but less likely a three would do that. Sometimes a four, but less likely a four, a five might say what they want. Um, sixes are less likely to sevens will eights will. So that narrows it down depending on how they respond to about five types or to four if they answer the other way and are like, yeah, I tend to just go with the flow. So I I start by asking these like broader questions that kind of narrow down like, do you tend to be more upfront with what you're going through or do you tend to be more private? Because that that narrows it down a lot too. What What's maybe your relationship with your emotions? How do you process emotions? Are you an external processor, an internal processor? Do you struggle to process? Are you more task-oriented or more relationally oriented? So more of like the the normal like behavioral personality type type questions can really narrow down types very quickly. And if I'm just getting started helping somebody figure out their type, I start there instead of with the core motivations because I feel like you know, if you're asking questions like, um, I feel like if you're asking questions like, do you only feel loved if you achieve something? (laughs) Exactly. Which is the three. Yeah. Like the worst fear or it's like, those are very, I mean, I, so when I was having these conversations, those were the, the questions that we started to like, to ask because we started to feel like they were both threes. And, it's like they were realizing things right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was a very, you know, stop and pause and experience that. Um, yeah, for sure. And I think when you're with a close friend and somebody that you already have deep trust with, that that's so powerful. And that's so um, yeah. that's a really appropriate way to approach it. So. Yeah, so maybe it's a, if you don't know the person well, you start with general questions. But generally, yeah. it, it, it would be better to ask broader questions to help them narrow down a type rather yeah. than starting with, oh, I think you're this type. Mm-hmm. Um, so like some of the core motivations, uh, like for a type four, to be unique, special, authentic, significant, and original. Seven, to be fully satisfied and content. Um, type six, to have security, guidance, and support. Those things can, they are really effective at helping people identify types. Um, and once you kind of narrow it down to two or three, that could be a really great place to walk alongside someone and be like, okay, so do you feel like you're really more to desiring um, to be unique and being seen that way or to be content or to have security? Like what, what really drives you? which they may not know, <laughs> you know, and that's the other thing is yeah. you, you don't know how self-aware a person is. And, um, and those are like really specific things that they could relate to multiple of them for various reasons. 
So moving on to our next student note, do you use info from other personality assessments to narrow down types and don't make hard and fast rules. Every person is unique. So for example, let's say somebody tells me they're an INFJ. INFJ is a great example because INFJs can be almost anything. Um, I've met INFJs that are ones that are twos that are I don't think I've met one that's a three I don't I think that's really unlikely but four is five six and nine so like that's a lot of the numbers for somebody that's a nine FJ um could they be the other numbers it's possible they're probably not a three seven or eight but I could be like, oh, that's somebody that's introverted and they have strong feelings or extremely empathetic. So they've got to be a four. And it could be really like you could really stereotype people and make hard and fast rules and be like, oh, that personality is like this. So they've got to be this number. But I've met people of all kinds of different Enneagram types that are strongly relate to that Myers-Briggs type. Or you could go based off of strength finders and be like, oh, you have woo. You must be a seven. That makes sense to me that all woos are sevens. But that's not true. There are threes that have woo, twos. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I've met eights that have woo, um, nines. Like, it, it's yeah. It's just there, there aren't hard and fast rules. They can help be clues. Other personality assessments can definitely give you clues as to what the Enneagram type is, but there aren't any hard and fast rules. So, and I feel like I'm constantly meeting people who break the rules. So <laughs> um, if I, if I build rules in my head of like, oh, this, this, this strength or this Myers-Briggs type or this, you know, whatever it is, um, that person is always an Enneagram blank. I always meet someone <laughs> that breaks that rule. So it can definitely help in figuring out a type, but I think it's more intuitive. Like I spent a couple, like two or three years building a spreadsheet um, of uh, just collecting people's personality information, their Myers-Briggs, their strengths, their Enneagram type and spiritual gifts, love languages, learning styles, all that stuff favorite color, hopes and dreams, education, like just collecting information. It was super fun. I got up to like 200 people and there was like a lot of data in that for me to compare. And it kind of gave me more of an intuitive sense of these types tend to to flow together. Um, These tend to correlate and these tend not to. Um, But Again, there's no hard and fast rules. So our next two and don't, uh, do narrow down options and allow them to pick. Don't peg them as a you're this. Um, absolutely be like, you know, I, I think, you know, based off of what you've told me and kind of just the sense, the, the, the sense that I get from you, um, I, I feel like you may be a two or a four or a six or a nine or I really feel like you could be a four or a nine based off of the information you've given me. Don't be like, yeah, I think you're a four. Like that's not, that's, that's, that could be really hurtful, especially depending on 
what research they go and find after if they choose not to listen to my podcast and listen to something else or somebody's saying, oh, fours are just so envious and they feel like there's something wrong with them. And like, you know, like, because people just say stupid stuff. <laughs> but um, like, definitely give them options to go and research and you have helped them by narrowing down like, oh, it could be these types. And if they turn around and are like, oh, you know what? Out of those two, I really think I'm at this. Then, yeah, like then be like, tell them more information on that type and share what you know and and what you've learned from other people that are that type um, and have those conversations. I think that could be a really powerful conversation. And the Lord's definitely used it when I've talked with people and even people I've just met to be able to speak to encourage them and speak life and truth and identity into them and and help them process things that they're going through right in that moment. And the Enneagram is, can be such a powerful open door to just speak into somebody's life who you've just met, but just be really cautious and intentional about how you go about that. Okay, well, that's it for today. Tune in next week as we continue our series, Speaking of the Enneagram, we're going to be talking again about this concept of finding a type and what to do if you don't know your type and you're still figuring it out. I'm so grateful for those of you who have been listening and sharing the podcast. If you love this episode or if you learned something new today, please leave a review on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram at Originality Podcast or at Jess Loves Personality. And make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. I would like to close out our time together with a quote from C.S. Lewis. No man who bothers about originality will ever be original. Whereas if you simply try to tell the truth, it will become original without ever having noticed it. Until next time.